Come on, ladies, come on closer as the men leave. We want to get right into it. Awesome. Welcome, welcome. We're so glad you're here. As my husband introduced me, because I always forget to introduce myself. So, 35 years for us. We're celebrating. All right. So come on. Come on close. Did you all get your book online? Yes? Okay, Amazon will get, get, get it to you in two days. All right, so turn your Bibles to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. And we'll go ahead and get started. All right, live faithfully. What a great topic that we are going to cover this year. We're going to break it up in three groups of four sessions each. Did you guys all pick a word this year in our Happy New Year? If you picked a word, when I count to three, you're going to shout it out, okay? And if you, if you didn't, listen to your neighbor so you can kind of get inspired and then pick your own word. Ready? One, two, three. Revival. Perseverance, I heard. Oh, we're in a good study. Oh, <laughs> I, get, I get you, Charity. I get you. Awesome. Anyone else? Joy. Restore. Good. These are all great words. And if you haven't done it, really pray and ask the Lord. Lord, what's a good word for me? Actually, uh, I was talking to a friend, and she had picked her word already, and I'm like, oh, I forgot to pick my word. And so I just sat there. I'm like, Lord, bring a word to me. And the word that came was revival. So that is exciting. Revival in, in, in my heart, revival in my family, revival in my city, revival in our state, revival in our country, revival in our world. Don't we need that? We need that. So it starts with me. It starts with you. So let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come before you thanking and praising you for this new year. It's a new slate and new opportunities to see you move in powerful ways. Lord, we thank you for the work you're doing in us. We thank you for what you're going to do. And would you speak to our hearts in our study through James? And here we are tonight in chapter 1. Father, I thank you for just salvation. I thank you for, for breathing life into your word that gives us wisdom on how to live and, and, and how to have the best faith that would please you and be a light to others. So, Lord, would you be with our time today? Would you help us to forge new friendships, get to know other people? Would you encourage our faith? as we face trials. We thank you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so talking about our words, I, I like in the beginning of the year to take inventory. I like to take inventory on my life, my faith, my family relationships, my finances, my fitness, my friends. But of course, the most important is our faith, really. 
when it all boils down, it is our faith. It's our faith in Jesus. It's our, our connecting and our, our, our church. It's our family relationships. Those are the things that have eternal value that really matter the most. And then I say, what do I need to do to improve in any of these areas? And so we have our challenge at the top of the list to live faithfully. Is your, if your faith was put to the test, what kind of grade would, you, would it receive? And today we're going to talk about five points. A plus faith is completely surrendered. A plus faith will have patience. A plus faith will have wisdom. A plus faith doesn't doubt. And A plus faith displays stability. So as we already turn to James chapter 1, I'll read verse 1. And it says, James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad. So who is James? Many people accept the fact that um, he is the first of four brothers of Jesus, the younger brothers, of course. But it's interesting because James really didn't accept the teachings that his brother shared until after the resurrection and after Jesus appeared to him, according to 1 Corinthians 15, 7. So could you imagine growing up with Jesus being the perfect oldest brother, the perfect the perfect sibling, the perfect kid. He obeyed. He didn't ever poke fun. He never teased his siblings. He was the model child. Imagine, James, I bet he was a little bitter. Why is he always perfect? Well, and, the, and there was a reason, but it's interesting because he did reject him most of his life, right? His whole life. And maybe you are in a family and they reject your faith. Maybe they don't like you because you're always going to church. Why do you spend so much time at church, right? Some of us can relate. They're, they're mad because you're not going to go out and do those things that you used to do with them. But James, along with his brothers, they went to Pentecost. They went in Acts chapter 1, verse 14. They were waiting for the Holy Spirit. And you know what? I bet that changed how they viewed Jesus, how they viewed their past, how they viewed their family life with him. They're like, wow, guys, we were wrong about him. So first, A plus faith is completely surrendered. Oh, let me also mention that James was persecuted for his faith. And he also died a martyr's death just before the fall of Jerusalem in 70 A.D., and sometimes our faith will be persecuted. But of course, A plus faith is completely surrendered. And what is the quality of our relationship to Christ? Con genuine, surrendered faith will produce real changes in our character and in our conduct. Those around us will see there's something different about you. If there's no change in these characteristics, perhaps our faith isn't completely surrendered. James mentions himself as a bondservant, a person that is bound in service without wages, a slave. Also, 
This person who was given freedom, but they chose to stay a servant. Someone who is completely surrendered. What is what James is saying here is that he is willingly self-committed to the permanent service of the Lord. He is completely surrendered to anything the Lord would have or to bring into his life. Is surrendered a characteristic of your faith? James' heart was fully surrendered and he desires to stir that up in us. That's why he wrote the letter. He wrote the letter to us. He wants our faith fully surrendered. He wants to strengthen our faith. Secondly, A plus faith will manifest patience. Let's look at verses 2 to 3. And it says, My brethren, or my sisters, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. James doesn't say, if trials come your way. No, he says, when they come your way. Don't be surprised about the trials that will come our way. James takes into account that we will have difficulties and it is possible to benefit from your trials. We can't really comprehend the scope of our character until we see how it plays out under challenges. Isn't that interesting? God's going to bring trials to see how strong of a faith that you or I have. It's easy to be on our best behavior to others when everything is going well. But can you still be displaying your best side when others are attacking you? James communicates to help transform our hardship into times of leaning on the promises of God's word. That phrase, when you fall into, it doesn't mean as you step by step, kind of like you're going downhill or maybe down a staircase. No, what this means is you are plunged into trials. And when you are so surrounded that there's no escaping them. Patience, the Greek word is hupomone. And hupo means under and mone means to stand. So stand not just with resignation, but with vibrant hope. The word doesn't describe a passive waiting, but an active endurance. The type of endurance that only happens by action. The same action that you would use to train for an endurance race, like a marathon. You can't just sit down and hope that you're going to be ready for the race when it comes to the marathon. There is a whole set of of steps you have to take for that marathon training. Charity knows, because she has an 18-mile run this Saturday. Yes, you're going to do. We all got to pray for anyone else training for a marathon. Charity, you're the only one. I'm not even training for a marathon. That was so last year. But in other words, when you are plunged into various trials, be assured that the testing of your faith, the ability to stand under the trials, for a very long time, you will have a vibrant hope. You're not going to crumble when you're waiting for that trial to finish. You're going to really just need the Lord's strength, but you're going to have hope. 
You're going to have hope that God is going to get you through. He is going to bring that endurance because you are training for it. You're actively training for it. You're getting that strength. You're having that mindset. You have laser sharp focus and nothing is going to get in the way. You're going to say no to a lot of things, but the Lord is going to strengthen you. It may help to recall that our Heavenly Father wants to infuse in us and make us mature and complete. And not simply keep us from all pain. Wouldn't that be nice? The Lord is going to keep me from all pain. That is not going to happen. I'm sorry if I've dashed your hopes, but the reality is we will walk through pain and suffering. Is there anybody that hasn't? Raise your hand. I, I can say that we all have that type of endurance training. The pain and suffering that comes as we're in trials. And James is equipping us. The point isn't to create a, a happy facade in the midst of pain, but to have a positive outlook because the good that th that trouble can create in your faith, that's seeing past the pain. But it's allowing the Lord to say, you know what, I'm going to bring a beautiful result from this pain. And that brings hope. And so that's why it's good to come to church even if you're not at your best, even if you're on the brink of tears, even if you will cry. Who cares, right? We're all crying, right? We are all in this together. We are all walking through trials. Even if we have a smile and someone says, how are you doing? You're all great. But you really don't mean that. So here we are in our family of faith. And if somebody says, how are you? They really want to know. Man, I'm struggling. Really? How can I pray for you? That's what we're here for. We don't want to act like we have it all together. We don't. But that's okay. So be patient. God will not abandon you in your problems. And he will stay so close to you as you grow. In page 24 of our book, on the sidebar, Linya puts trials this way. Trials come through temptation or adversity and prove merit of individual faith. Christians experience times of adversity when their faith proves either true or false before God. Since many positive things come through trials, Christians are urged to rejoice at the occurrence of trials. Do you avoid difficult situations because they are hard or because you're afraid? You're not going to build this type of endurance that you need for your faith. Embrace the race. Let me say it again. Embrace the race, that endurance race that God has set out and the trials that he brings. Sometimes you just can't possibly get out of them, but God wants to build that endurance in you. Verse 4, so let patience have its perfect work in you that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Allow patience to be woven into the fabric of your life. And this will bring completion to your character. And you won't require anything else. Isn't that interesting? God wants to build in you that patience. And he wants to refine your character so that you are complete. You're not going to require anything. But don't resist this. But be patient in this process. Patience doesn't happen quickly. I know. But it, it happens over time. And the goal is that you will be complete in your character, which is being shaped by Jesus to make you more into his image. 
That completeness or wholeness means that God uh, has given you everything you need to live a godly life. You don't need anything else but patience and trials and the word of God. But he has given us everything we need to live according to God's word. So if, there's, if, if you're in a trial, great. If you're out of a trial, then you're ready for the next one to come. But it's coming. But we don't need to fear. On page 31 of our book, Hannah Hunard, she's the author of Hind's Feet on High Places. If you've never read the allegory, I really challenge you. It's an amazing story. And she says this, the more experience of God's goodness and faithfulness that we have, the more he is able to test and develop our faith by teaching us long-suffering and the assurance to wait patiently. And thirdly, as we follow the Spirit's leading, surrender, obedience, faith, and wisdom are the defining characteristics of a believer's life. Verse 5, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to her. It says him, but I just added her. Why do we Christians need wisdom? We need wisdom to validate our faith, to make the most of our time here on earth. How many of us have the perfect solution to all the troubles that you may face? Raise your hand. I'm sure we are all saying, you know what? We are faced daily sometimes and not knowing what to do. We need God's wisdom. Or do we have the knowledge of what to do in every situation? So many problems arise and I don't know what to do. You don't know what to do. But God's wisdom directs our heart. And he may not lay out the whole plan. He may just tell you to take one step of faith. And then when you take that step of faith, he's going to tell you the next step of faith to take. But how many times is our life wasted on wrong plans and wrong pathways, wrong trajectories? We can really make the wrong choice if we don't have God's wisdom. And it'll put us on a wrong path. And then that takes time to, to backtrack and say, wait, where did I go wrong? How did I get here? Right? The Lord wants to, to give us that wisdom on what to do. Psalm 90 verse 12 says, So teach us to number our days that we may apply our heart to wisdom. Job 28, 28 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and to depart from evil is understanding. And so our part is really to have that reverence, to have that awe of God, so that we can receive that wisdom. We need to depart from evil. So if there's something that is not right in your life, something that you're like, you know what? I sense that that's not a good direction. I don't know why, but I just have a check in my heart. Listen to what the Lord is telling you. He might be directing you on something you're not even familiar with. So, so don't disregard that little warning that might come up in your heart. We don't want to miss any spiritual lesson that he is trying to teach us. What action do you need to take in these trials, in these situations? So when a trial hits your, your path, you're like, what do I do? Do you pray? Do you ask others? Oh, what should I do about this? Do you research? I wonder what I should do. You know, what do people do in this case? 
Do you make hasty decisions? Oh, I just want to get this over with. Or do you wait on the Lord? Here, James, he lays out a plan of action if you lack wisdom. And he says, pray. He says, ask God and you're gonna, he's going to give you generous wisdom. And it doesn't, there's no precursor to that. There's no condition to that. It, he says that he's going to give without reproach. In other words, God doesn't find fault or take into account our previous failures and decide if we are worthy to receive wisdom from him. He doesn't do that. Therefore, he generously gives wisdom to all who ask. It takes humility. It takes surrender to ask. It takes an open heart to really wait and to listen. A plus faith will be evident and it will manifest in wisdom. Fourthly, A plus faith doesn't doubt. Let's look at verse 6. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like the wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. James gives us a vivid picture of what doubting looks like. And I just picture a tumultuous, stormy sea with waves and the wind powerfully moving on it, wherever it'll go. There's no order to the waves that they come. They're rolling in from all directions. It's very scary to be out in the ocean when it's like that. If anyone's been maybe taken out by a rip current or just swam in the ocean and, and, and this, these waves come up. Has anyone ever been to the wedge? The wedge down in Newport Beach? Sometimes you just, oh, wow, it's 30, it's 50 feet high, and, and they do get that, that tall. And I'm telling you, people come from all over. The, news, the newscasters are there. They're watching people. you got these crazy people that, oh, I'm going to go surf a 30-foot wave. And they come out with a broken board. Even wise people that always surf that, they, they still break their boards all the time. And we've done that. You see the, the, the surfers, they're tossed around um, and... If they're not careful, they could really break their neck. And there are many deaths over there. Um, so you've got the lifeguards that are standing, really, attention, ready to rescue anyone. But it's very, it's, it's petrifying. But we have, we have no confidence in what we're trying to ask. So if we are asking, and if we have no confidence, if we have no faith, you know what? We are going to be tossed around in our faith, like, just like this picture of the waves and the ocean and how crazy it is. You don't know which way's up, which way's down. Matthew 21, 20 to 22 says this, When the disciples saw it, they marveled. And this is talking about the fig tree. How did the fig tree wither at once? And Jesus answered them and said, Truly I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt... You will not only do what has been done to the fig tree, but even if you say to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, it'll happen. Basically, Jesus was walking around, saw the fig tree. There was no fruit in it, but it had this outward appearance that it was very fruitful, but there was no fruit. And he, he, he um, cursed that fig tree and it completely died the next day as the disciples were walking past it and they were marveling at the power that Jesus had. And Jesus is, is taking this opportunity to teach them. And he says, ask. And whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. 
So in our asking, we need to have faith, believing that he is going to give us that answer. The di disciples, they were not lacking faith. They were very open. They were very honest. However, their faith hadn't functioned in strength at this point. They were still students. They were still listening, amazed at what Jesus was doing. But he hadn't sent them out yet to build their faith. He hadn't sent them out to actually do ministry yet. And yet Jesus is using the illustration of the withering of the fig tree to point out how strong faith brings results. You know, when they would say moving a mountain, it was a familiar example in Jewish writings for accomplishing seemingly impossible things. So it was a very common phrase. Proverbs 4, 7 says, Wisdom is the principal thing, therefore get wisdom. And with all the getting, get understanding. Wisdom and understanding, they go hand in hand. Wisdom is the know-how, and understanding is the application. We can get all kinds of knowledge. Fact is, I saw a, an ad. Um, it was a pastor, and he was warning about AI. You guys know what AI is? Artificial intelligence. And there is some kind of a site that pastors can go to and say, uh, let's see, write me a, a sermon. And I want it to have a quote of Spurgeon, and I want it to have um, an example from C.S. Lewis, and I wanted to have three points and say this, this, and this. And this AI, this, artific this artificial intelligent computer, will actually write a sermon. And, and guess what? It is just fact. There's no moving of the spirit. There's no practical examples. There's no feeling inside of it. And he was warning the pastors. He says, as good as this might sound, it's very dangerous. Watch out. And I think we sometimes can get on autopilot in our lives, in our faith. And, and the, the Holy Spirit is telling us, watch out, be on guard, because we are living in the last days and we need wisdom for every day. What to do? Should we go this way? Should we go that way? Verse 7, let's look at that. And it says, for let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. And so fifthly, A plus faith, it's going to display stability. When you have a trial, you're not going to fall apart. You're not going to be closed up in your home for months upon months. But your faith is going to be stable. And people around you are going to say, how are you making it through this trial? And you're going to say, the Lord is giving me the strength. Where is double-mindedness and where does that originate? In our mind, doesn't it? Where does the enemy attack? In our mind. And where do we have control over the thoughts that are in our mind? In our mind. And so it is important that we figure out the battle is in our mind. The word unstable, it means unsettled, unsteady, staggering, restless, reeling like a drunk man. So we don't want to be unstable in our faith. We want to have faith that remains, faith that gets that A-plus grade in the eyes of Jesus. So how do we change from being unstable? Guess what? Our parts, 
our part is to put on the mind of Christ and that will bring stability to our faith. We need to renew our mind by reading and meditating on God's word every day. We cannot disregard it. We cannot forget about it. It can't be the, the last thing we do. It has, has to be the first because then that fills your tank for the day. And so on your tables, I have put who I am in Christ. And this is going to be a great resource for you. So not only is it a study, but it says who am I in Christ? Because sometimes if the enemy attacks us, we don't know who we are in Christ. And some of the, these say the word of God says that I am, Lori is, created in the image of God. And you need to put your name in that. And I would encourage you just to read this every day. If you have extra time, it's, it's the study is where it's mentioned on the right side of the page. And then you say, I am promised rest. Lori is chosen and not rejected. Lori is protected by God. Lori is forgiven. Lori is blessed. And it goes on and on. So you guys grab that, but use it as a tool. Put it in your Bible and renew your mind in the truth of God's word. And when you are in a, in a battle... You need to remember who are you in Christ. And that is how you change from being unstable to being stable. And that stability is going to display. And it's going to give you that faith. So in closing, remember the most important thing to our faith is to live faithfully. We want to be a faithful servant of the Lord. Remember the question I posed in the beginning of our study. If our faith was put to the test, what grade would it receive? And you don't have to be a teacher to grade your faith. Number one, A-plus faith is completely surrendered. Number two, A-plus faith will have patience. A-plus faith will have wisdom. A-plus faith doesn't doubt. And A-plus faith displays stability. Does your faith need attention? Does your faith need to be prioritized? Well, you guys are all here, so you have prioritized it. Maybe call your friends and say, hey, come on, we're going to work on our faith. We're going to build our faith. You know, we only have so much time, talent, and tra treasure. And we need to spend our time in those things that matter. We need to spend our time focusing on the Lord, improving our faith. And so as we study the book of James, it'll help. If you commit yourself and your efforts to grow in your faith, guess what? You will. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much just for giving us in these first eight verses just some powerful tools, some examples, Lord, on how we can live faithfully, how we can improve our faith. Lord, we want to please you. We want to hear those words saying, well done, good and faithful servant. And so would you just bless our group time? Would you use this time in a, in a powerful way, if our faith needs attention, if our faith needs strengthened, give us the strength to be faithful to what you've called us to do. In Jesus' name, amen.